Hello, welcome to Say That Podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Greetings. With us all the way from Oakridge, Tennessee is Lee Younger. Reunited and it feels so good. That's right. We are back after a week off and a couple of weeks without Jed. We are all not traveling, no music festivals in the greater Chicagoland area, as I understand it. Um, Wait, isn't Lollapalooza happening right now? Not yeah, as I understand is. it. <laughs> Which is to say, I'm 37 my years friend, old. My friend Tyshawn is there. He's he's at the thing. He's at the Palooza. He's, he's at the Jane's Addiction inspired concert that I'm pretty sure Perry Farrell is not at. Uh, you never well, know. Not mentally, anyway. Well, <laughs> I was recently had the odd experience in in the city. I will tell a story quickly of being on a train with people who were late to work at Lollapalooza. Ah, we were uh, uh, on if the, you're in the Chicago area. It's maybe some to you. The orange line coming back from Midway with some folks who were uh, on their way on Thursday night, the first night of Lollapalooza, they kind of do the overnight setup. And we had an experience. I've lived in, I've lived in Chicago. I'm taking the CTA for 10 years. And I've never experienced this before, which is uh, we're you know on the train going to the next stop and the train stops kind of comes to a full stop, which that's happened before. Then all the lights go out. It's about 90 degrees huh. outside and the AC goes off. No power. And the uh, conductor comes onto the thing and says, uh, we're stopped because there are people fleeing the police on the tracks. So we had to cut the electricity because, wow. um, you know, we don't want that. Then we saw two young men uh, at full sprint run by a train car, which is a fascinating <laughs> experience. And uh, then for the next 30 minutes, we said, were they named and, Butch and Sundance? I, uh, one, one wonders if things ended the same way, but, uh, yeah. So that was, uh, it's very nice when you've lived in a place for a while. And sit around, oh, this is, this is new. <laughs> <laughs> and then after about 30 minutes, uh, commiserating and pointing out these two very nice, uh, women who had come clearly to work at the festival and, uh, explaining to them that, no, this is actually not normal, but it's not that abnormal. Oh, wait, that part's really abnormal, which is a conversation. I'm used yeah. to having with people. <laughs> Uh, everything came back on and we could see again. And all this had happened about four feet from the train stop. Wow. So, oh, no. Uh, wow. As, as often happens as Jed, when he is out of town, as I was, and comes back. Uh, I don't know if your hometown has a way of doing this to your listener, but the great city of Chicago has a, has a way of saying, welcome back, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And I will say one could describe that whole experience as having, Bad vibes. Yes. Ah. On that note, we I must segue. declare a vibes emergency. Oh, no. Man, a sequitur. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, this, well put. This comes to us from the uh, the social medias and not the normal uh, weird dreck we normally pull from Twitter. This is uh, from a uh, horrifying world of Christian stuff on Facebook. Nope, 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 nope. Yes. This is from a... A, po- a a organization or a group, I don't know. Uh, there's the name, which we won't give out, but then the the subtitle is Hope and Healing in Jesus Christ. And uh, here's, a, here's an idea for you, uh, mainstream American Christians. Me reading that phrase shouldn't fill me with dread for what I'm about to read, but it does. <laughs> yeah. If your internet presence involves the phrase Hope and Healing in Jesus Christ, I assume this is going to be some just absolutely weapons-grade nonsense I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to deal with here. Good news, Matt. And so it is. This, this, uh, they write 
Vibes and energy are not of the Spirit of God. They're new age and satisfy the, quote, in quotation marks, flesh. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Turn away from new age. It seems harmless, but at the root of it is the spirit of the Antichrist and rebellion, witchcraft. Which, again, they, maybe that's the lack of an Oxford comma. It's written as the spirit of Antichrist and rebellion, comma, witchcraft. <laughs> this is all above a, a just black background, white text post that says, Christians, dash, we don't do vibes or energy. We operate in capital D, discernment, and capital A, anointing. Wow. Cool. When, the, the Part of this was the, the brilliant way in which you read that, that, uh, that tweet or whatever that post is, Matt, but it, it takes me back to when I was a kid. Uh, my, my dad used to watch this show about, I guess about, about the Vietnam war or whatever. And there was a, there was a, like, there was something called a mortar where they would like, it was like this little pipe, like close to the ground and they would drop a, a charge in there and then it would shoot directly out of that thing immediately. Indeed. And it was like, like a, you know, some kind of bomb or something. I don't know anything about, uh, firearms, but like, Anyway, there there was something about the way you read the words um, flesh and witchcraft, where it was just like these are the mortar charges. It's like da 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 Christians flesh, boom, boom, and witchcraft. It's just like these are the explosive words to the poor, fragile Christians. Yeah, I I can't think of anything less like offensive or panic inducing as Lee puts it than the concept of vibes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like that's what vibes want you to think, Matt. If you find yourself <laughs> being hysterical and the sky is falling about just vibes, that's, that's a full chicken little situation, man. Well, let me, you know, let me play vibes advocate for a second here. <laughs> Could there be a more sinister, more untoward um, desire or motivation in life than to have generally positive thoughts and feelings for a period of time. I don't trust it. This is what I'm saying, Matthew. This is what I'm saying. Okay. So you're saying this is a, possibly this is a group of people who are so racked with uh, anxiety and fear and general unhappiness that they would see someone just vibing as they say, just hanging yeah. out being relaxed, enjoying life and be like, that's, that's the most evil thing I can conceive of. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, like, I think the thing is they're riding, you know, kind of the, the bucking guilt Bronco oh. and they're, they're afraid that the vibes might get in there and interrupt that process. You don't want anything to get in the way of the guilt. So you really want that to be just kind of uncut and just, you know, all the way. That I think that's, there's a lot of that going on here. What I appreciate is the the final we operate in discernment and anointing. Okay. Ah. I, I know that, you know, every, everybody comes from different faith traditions, whatever. As someone who's been on the Internet for a while, listening to what Christian's post, um, I'm not sure you can have discernment and anointing. I'm mean, pretty sure you're, you're going to have to pick folks in on one or the other. Just be like, <laughs> these are two big things. Discernment. Okay. And anointing. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. When I think of vibes, I think about the guy that was riding the longboard and with the cranberry juice and just like lip syncing to the Fleetwood Mac song. Yeah, that was right on the on. internet a few years ago. That was a pivotal it's just like, like 
early TikTok during the pandemic. Like Weezer Nation needed that. Yeah, that's everybody needed that. That was vibes, you know. But when I think about discernment, I immediately feel like I'm in trouble. Yeah. Like this is somebody at church who has discerned something about my way of life or whatever, and now I'm in trouble. And I want to pick the cranberry juice guy on the long board every single time. Well, yeah. that's that's a very good point because when someone talks about vibes, and certainly, you know, I don't want to discounts uh the possibility for the the idea of vibes or certainly someone who talks about it to be annoying but here's here's the thing that we all must learn as we traverse the world and maybe the internet more specifically just because something is personally annoying to you does not make it evil <laughs> yeah yeah just because yeah. you because you're like man the people who most of the people i run into who talk about this it's like just lay it down. That doesn't make it uh, Satan's work, but when someone is talking about vibes, for the most part, you know, maybe they're maybe they're overcooking the hippiness a little bit. But you think, all right, yeah, we're, we're chasing good vibes. That's cool. I can get behind that. Yeah, Whenever totally. anyone wants to talk to you about discernment, as Lee points out, it's they want to judge you, but they know they're not allowed to yeah. by the <laughs> rule of the churchiness. So they found a way around that called. Well, it's not that I think what you're doing is dumb. Or I hate it. It's, I just want to ask, are you being discerning? Yeah. <laughs> you're, were, you, were you being discerning when you picked that book out? Hmm? Did you discern that? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> yeah, you got, you, got to witch, you got to witchcraft mighty fast there, friend. Yeah, that's really true. I also like in the spirit of, and it's a very rich text for a small post, but in the spirit of people <laughs> who can't help but telling themselves, Christians, we don't do energy. As I think I said to Jed via text message when he showed me this first time, um, assuming this is, you know, a pastor or something, pastor, we've been to the, we've been to the morning service. We know you don't do energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, I'm trying to think when I was in high school, there was a class, I think it was like the, the health class that was mandatory that you had to take. And you walk in there, you think freshman. And the guy who taught it had like a big poster on his wall that said, being bored is an insult to yourself, which I'm sure he thought was deep, but all it did was let everyone immediately know, oh, this is going to be boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he has heard this is boring so many times. He's like pre, pre-answering that criticism. I need a cat poster about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So if you, if you, if you're playing, hoping to get people to come to your house of hope and healing in Jesus Christ, I'm mean like, hey, 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 it's not that our vibes are bad. Vibes are actually evil, and we just don't let them exist in here. Absolutely. The bummer is that, like, like there's a lot of Bible verses that just go with the concept of vibes. You're cutting yeah. yourself off from some really chill stuff, man. And that's a bummer. That's like a bummer, man. The Psalms are very vibe centric. It's like there, you know, there's ones about laying down by a meadow. Yeah. Just listening to the water roll by. That's, that's, that's peak vibes. Live at peace with all men. Yeah. That's a great vibe. Sure is, man. Or is it (laughs) witchcraft? The devil got you. He got you both. And I just watched (laughs) it happen on camera, gentlemen. You know, normally I'm prepared for when Jed slips into 
uh, Sling Blade goes to church voice there, but that one really came out of nowhere and grabbed me. Oh, that has to be the title of the episode. It, it may be. That may be lost on people, but yeah. 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 I was like I was like a half octave away from from Abe Simpson and then Jed went straight to Sling Blade. Yeah. To complete the nineties circle. Yeah. I'm I'm now just from Lee's kind of interpretation of that, which I liked a lot. I'm just thinking of like really profound kind of sounding, particularly Old Testament passages that could be very well delivered in like astonished stoner voice. <laughs> Yes. Let's let's see what we can do. Let's see what your we can do. S- dude, man, your sin is like separated from you as far as like the east is from the west, man. Whoa. Yeah, that's very he, good. He remembers that we are dust, dude. That he remembers oh. that we are dust is very good. I I have a good one, Lee. Please. I'm sending it to you on text right now because I think you are the right man to deliver this <laughs> with with just with just the full Lebowski. A plum. How great are your works, O oh Lord? How deep are your thoughts, man? <laughs> yeah. The uh <laughs> I'm thinking of like so many like sideways patches passages from like like Ecclesiastes or something. Like Yeah. When the silver cord breaks and like the golden bowl is empty, man. Oh dude! Yes! <laughs> That is, yeah, that's all the way there. Okay, okay, people who who make AI things, um, you've you've been, so far been a net negative to the world, but here's your chance to to redeem yourselves. The big Jeff Bridges as the Big Lebowski reads the old te- the wisdom books of the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. Now you've earned your keep. Or someone wants to pay Mister Bridges to step into a recording booth. I get the sense that he kind of takes every job that comes across his desk these days and we celebrate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it just Jeff Bridges reading all the dude lines from the song of songs, <laughs> as you mentioned, the wisdom. Wow. Books, that's just, that's just really creeping me out. That's a great idea. <laughs> is there, a, I think there is a, is there a Bible translation that's, Shortened NLV, there is the new living Bible, new Lebowski, ver- the new Lebowski version. I like it. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> With that, I think we will transfer. We will first declare a vibes emergency off because Aww. when you've. But can we keep the vibes going? I think when we came up with the idea of the dude reciting the uh, the deep wisdom of the the re- revealed true scripture that that is that's that's a peak vibe situation look man when clouds are full they rain down water on the earth and where a tree falls there it lies man that's good <laughs> that is, that's very good that is indistinguishable from something your <laughs> roommate in college read <laughs> in a po- that poetry book that they just like really think is deep and, and mind sh- 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 mind shattering. Yes. Yeah. And that is actually a direct quote from the old Testament. You know, we talk a lot in the show about, you know, whether it be a new translation or an audio Bible or whatever, you know, things that led us particularly people who maybe grew up in the church or something, let you revisit the scripture through a new lens. And I think 
the dude version <laughs> of an audio Bible would really do that for a lot of people. I would tune in. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I would tune in. 100%. This is, this is, sometimes we come up with a, you know, insane projects in this show because we'd like the money. This is the rare one. We just kind of want this to exist. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, News Corp, which as we've uh, pointed out before, owns the Bible. <laughs> Please get in touch with Jeff Bridges and have him record this. And uh, we will, we will, you will, you will have done one good thing among a myriad of other things you've done, which is, I'm sure he'll something. be down. <laughs> so with that we will move on to your fine questions if you have a question for us please hang out with us all the way to the end i'll give some ways you can touch this or you can scroll down to your episode description click on one of the links you find there our first question comes in and says i've heard people talk about praying for protection what does that mean it seems a little cl- a little like claiming your blessing to me again a great a great question and i i really enjoy this kind of genre of question we get of of breaking down a thing that you hear a lot. Maybe if you're new to, to Christian culture or church or in a prayer, you may hear some of this stuff, or maybe you just grown up with it your whole life and finally powered down and thought, wait, what is that actually saying? And both of those are, both of those are fantastic. So Lee, I'd love to get you to, to start us off here because I think this is one of those things where we're going to find something in the middle because praying for protection is a thing, you know, that, that you can, I don't know if that phrase comes up in the Bible, but you can certainly, you know, find, David and others doing such a thing, but then there's also the, the kind of superstitionized version of something like that, which our our friend points out, you can kind of fall into. So where do we start with all that? Well, let's go ahead and and talk about the fact that, uh, first of all, thanks for the question. It's really cool question, especially when, you know, when, when folks can look at some of this church stuff and just hit it on the nose and say, Hey, this is something Christians talk about. Is this weird? That's a great, as Matt said, I like the way Matt said, a great genre of question, because there's a lot that goes on that people just, we just kind of like, oh, we kind of like look to your left, look to your right. Nobody's saying anything. I guess this is what we do. We just accept this as the, as the thing or whatever. There is, um, you know, there, there are churches, there are denominations, there are kind of faith traditions within Christianity where there's this idea that if you claim something, you can manifest it. If you if you say this, if you quote unquote have enough faith or whatever, then um, you know, then so and so won't get sick, or you'll make the money appear, or we'll keep uh, you know, bad thing X from happening in our lives. And so one of the things that I want to say off the top of that is I've I've been a Christian for a long time, been trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus for decades at this point. And I have never experienced anything like that. Um, I I have not manifested things by, you know, having enough faith or whatever. Um, I when you ask about praying, you know, um, kind of praying for protection stuff like that. I will tell you, like I've prayed for a lot of things. The thing that I can tell you from my experience is that we live in a dangerous world. Um, we live in a dangerous world where we send our loved ones out into it. Um, and terrible things happen all the time to people who are lovely and wonderful. And sometimes amazing things happen to people who are absolutely terrible people, um, objectively. And that is confusing. That's hard to process. That's hard to understand. I can't explain that to you or square that or, 
Um, I, I, don't, I don't have any mathematics for any of that kind of stuff. The thing I can tell you is I, I don't have the ability to pray something into existence or make something happen or you know, twist God's arm into something like that. I don't know how any of that works. Um, I don't have a lot of experience of those things happening. But within that, that being said, I can tell you, and yet I find myself praying. I find myself praying for things that I want. I, pr- I find myself praying for people that I care about. I find myself, um, I, I personally am a person, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you, then you have heard about my kids growing up um, because we've been doing this for like, what, 12 years or something at this point or 11 years or something? Yeah. And so, uh, so those of you who have been here for the long haul have heard me talk about my children. Well, I've got one who's a sophomore in college now. Um, she has her own apartment. She does not live in our city anymore. I find myself praying for her like a lot. I have very little control over how her day goes, where she goes. She has her own car. She has her own job. She has her own, she has her own apartment. And I find myself praying a lot for her, uh, for her safety, for, for her to make good decisions, for things to fall well for her. Um, and I am not under... I'm not under the impression that, you know, if I live right, then God is going to make everything work out for me and for the people that I love or anything like that. But I do find myself calling out to him. I do find myself begging him for things. I do find myself asking him for things. I do feel a dependence on him. Um, if, your, if your walk with God encourages you to call out to him, to be in a relationship with him, to talk about, to talk with boldness and with honesty about the things that you're going through and the things that you want to happen and the things that you feel. I think that's something that God wants. I think in scripture, that's what you find is that God wants you to talk to him. He wants you to be honest. He wants you to be bold. There's a place in the, in the book of Isaiah, speaking of the old Testament, it's in the sixties in Isaiah, in Isaiah, it says, you who call on the Lord, um, give yourselves no rest and give the Lord no rest either. And I think that's a really, really cool verse. Like if you're going to, if you're going to pray for stuff, pray your heart out and give yourself no rest and give him no rest. Knock on his door and knock the door down. I, I am not one of these people that sees, uh, our faith in such a way that, you know, if you have enough faith and you can just manifest whatever you want to happen. But um, my care for people and my inability to stop difficult things from happening or to know what's going to happen in the future uh, drives me to prayer quite a bit. I can't square all that for you, but that's where I am on it. That's a fantastic place to to start it off. Jed, where do we take this conversation from there? Yeah, I love all of that. That's really, really good. Well, in the spirit of vibes, actually, I think the first thing that might be useful to acknowledge is... When people say, oh, I'm, I'm praying for protection for you, I think different people mean different things. And I think for a lot of people, they don't really know necessarily what that means at all. It's more just a sentiment of, hey, I'm a person of faith and I hope things work out for you. And yeah. this is a phrase that I use to describe that sentiment, which that's that's totally cool. Um, if you pressed, like if you think of 10 people that might say that to you, if you pressed all 10 of them on in a concrete cause and effect way, what is it that you're describing here? I think a lot of them probably could not articulate to you exactly what they mean. 
Um, again, it's it's more of a of a sentiment than anything else. The ones that that could articulate it to you probably would be getting into some fairly funky theology um, and exactly the kind of stuff that Lee is talking about in terms of I am going I'm, I'm going to name things and claim them. But let's talk for a second about what else might be true. Also, in the spirit of vibes, I hope that your prayer life has a vibe to it, and I hope that the vibe that it has is a really safe place. I I hope that when you talk to God, that it feels like the place you can be the most safe and the most real and the most honest. It's okay if you don't feel that way, but, but I, I hope for you that you have at least moments of that. And if you're looking at a situation or a choice or an environment or, or whatever, where, you know, uh, divine protection might be useful, then it also might be good to simply tell God in prayer about feeling scared or threatened or overwhelmed or in danger, um, because those are heavy burdens to bear. And the emotional burden of feeling scared is actually a separate problem from realities that could be threatening to you. And, and both need to be addressed. Having a place in your life where you can be really honest and really vulnerable about how you're actually feeling and the burdens that you're carrying is really, really good. And while it is very valuable for you to have human beings that you can be honest with, and I really want that for you, it's valuable to have a prayer life where you can be honest too. Both of these really, really matter. And so that would be the first thing in terms of, of if you're dealing with danger and uncertainty, what role should prayer play? I think it should be a place that you can be really, really honest. Then I think there's two more things that they go along with protection that I would encourage you to, to be looking at. One is seeking wisdom about what protective steps can I take? Most things that are scary or could be dangerous or could have risks, there's usually steps you can take that will help. Um, you know, I mean, traveling in a car is actually fairly dangerous. And if you put on your seatbelt, it gets a lot less dangerous. Right. So this is this is a step that you can take. It doesn't remove all of the risk of traveling in a car, but it makes it much more manageable and it makes it much less dangerous. And so I think it's worth asking God to give you wisdom and, and um, you know, looking for insight on, you know, what are the ways that I can make this less of a danger? Because here's what I can tell you for sure. Jumping into more danger than you need to is not a good idea. Like. Some of us have grown up in faith traditions where we felt like we had to do dangerous things to prove our faith. And that's, we're not talking about that at all, man. Um, Sometimes in life we take risks, but knowing how to take calculated risks where there are safety factors built in is a good idea. And so that involves wisdom and and asking God to give you wisdom is a good thing. Then the one more that I'd encourage you to look at because it goes along with this is to say, is the thing that you need you know, we'd all like protection, but is maybe the thing that you need courage because sometimes in life, there's a step that we need to take that feels very scary. And we need a safe place to talk about that fear. And it may carry actual risks with it. It may carry actual dangers with it, in which case we need a strategy to reduce those risks and to, to have safeguards in place. But then if it's a step we really do need to take, the last thing is courage because we do need to take that step. And there are never any steps in life that are free of all risks. There are never any journeys we can go on that carry no danger. Any 
step you're going to take, and especially any step worth taking, is always going to have some dangers involved. And it's always going to have some risks involved. And so then that's about courage to take that step that we need to take once we've done the work of uh, bearing our heart and, and getting that emotional support we need and getting that wisdom about how to do it in a smart way. That, that last piece is courage. For what it's worth, if you've got a place where you can be honest about your feelings and you've got wisdom, you've got people who know more than you that are able to guide you and you're going to God for courage, I think if you put all three of those together, that is an amazing kind of protection that is creating its own answer to your prayers. It's absolutely right. That's fantastic stuff from both of these guys. I'd like to, to, before we move on, speak to the part about this seeming, this can seem a little bit, you claim your blessing, a little uh, rote, a little superstitious is kind of, I think, the word I put to it. And I totally under understand that. So I'd like to give you, it's not a foolproof litmus test, but I think it is useful when, whether it's just someone else talking about it or you kind of engaging with this idea in kind of your own prayer life, these kind of ideas. I think a good barometer for whether this is, um, a healthy thing or has moved into that kind of superstitious uh, uh, s- spell casting element is, are you asking God to do this? Or do you think that by doing it this way, you're making God do this? Mm-hmm. Are you saying, you know, I've, I've, I'm about to do this thing or I have a loved one that's far away and I just, uh, this is where I'm putting my, my thoughts and my feelings about that. And I'm asking for, you know, peace from the Lord, but I'm also, I'm also asking for a certain outcome here. That's all perfectly, perfectly normal, perfectly healthy uh, way to use prayer. If you're getting to the point where I think if I pray about this six times a day, that's pretty much going to be how it is. And if it doesn't, that means God wanted me to pray about it seven times a day, and I didn't, and that's why I didn't get the outcome I want. That's when we moved into uh, casting a magic spell as opposed to dealing with a a being that has its own, very much his own free will and way he wants to do things and ways and thoughts that are higher than ours. So again, not foolproof, but if you're thinking about this for yourself, and also if you're trying to suss out how someone is talking about this compared to one way or the other, that's, that's something I found useful about a lot of this stuff when it gets a little over religious-y for me to know what's going on. And with that said, we will move on to our second question here. It comes in and says, how do you be an encouragement to someone who doesn't seem to want to be encouraged? Like they're in the wallowing phase, but I still want to be supportive. I think another fantastic question. Lee, where do we take this one? Well, it is a great question. I want to start out by saying that um, I have definitely been the person in this question who is the wallower. Um, I've definitely been in the place where I've been through a deal. I've been, I've experienced a thing where I don't want to be fixed. I don't want good advice. I don't want to come out of it. I don't want to be happy. I want to listen to the counting crows and eat Cheetos and I, and I don't want anybody and I'm going to close the blinds and I don't want to do anything happy or wonderful. I just want to weep. So I know how that feels. Um, all that to say, like, you know, it's important to realize that like, you might not be in that place right now, but don't close the door on the possibility that you could experience something that would make you feel exactly the way this person does. Um, that's an important thing. Um, maybe you haven't experienced something like that yet, but maybe you will. 
And all of a sudden you, you might realize, oh man, dang, this person talked to me this way or this, this situation went sideways and man, I just want to wallow. Like I could just sink my teeth into a good wallow right now. And that's, it's important to realize that, that that's a possibility. Um, one of the things I'll say just as a general ministry principle, and we've talked about this a lot of times over the years, uh, but it's important to, to go ahead and repeat stuff like this. Uh, I don't give unsolicited advice. If somebody doesn't want to hear uh, how to be happy right now, then I don't tell them how to be happy right now. Uh, if they are not ready to change the situation they're in, that's totally cool, man. That's I'm not in a hurry. Um, I think it's important with people that you care about to not be in a hurry. Um, that's a that's a thing that takes a while to develop, and you have to say no to a lot of impulses when you are a fixer and when you want people to be happy and you want the people that you care about to to you know to get together and to be doing well. I mean, we all want the people that we love to be doing well, but there are times when you just have to not be in a hurry. Um, I, I will say that <laughs> my journey in figuring this kind of thing out has been helped massively by the fact that. My wife is is a person who is a very strong self-advocate. So, you know, sometimes she'll come home and tell me about a problem at work and I'll launch into some way to fix it. And she'll just put her hand up and say, hey, hey, pal, that's not what I want right now. I don't want you to fix anything. I want you to nod. I want you to listen. I'd like you to every now and then make sounds like, hmm, that sounds really tough. And just generally feel some empathy. Can you, can you manage that? Can we not fix mix anything? The occasional, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want you to be really upset with the people that I'm upset with. I want you to have my back and I want you to listen and ask me questions. Um, and I've had to learn that as a person that, you know, it's like, man, this is somebody I care about. I want to fix it immediately. Um, and I've had to learn how to do that uh, over the years. Every now and then Christy, Christy's gotten to the place where that's my wife. She'll, she'll say to me, Hey, I'm going to tell you a thing right now. And I need you to not be a pastor. I need you to just be somebody who listens. And that's really helpful. And it helps me learn how to just like, okay, but I, I have clear expectations. That's all. That's my only job right now. And then sometimes she'll be telling me a thing and she'll say, okay, I want you to put the counselor's hat on right now and give me some advice. How do you think I should respond to that? Um, and that's also helpful. I think it's, it's one of these things of like learning how to listen and then just ask a question that continues to help that person process what they're feeling. So when that person said that to you, how did you feel? And they might say, well, I felt awful. What do you mean? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, tell me more about that thing that you were experiencing. Ask the kinds of questions that promote emotional processing. Ask questions that have the second person pronoun in there. How did you feel? How did you respond? What did you experience next? That must have been really hard. I'm guessing that, you know, uh, when, when they said that, I feel like I would have felt uh, put on my back feet. Is that the way you felt? Um, ask those kinds of questions that promote processing. You don't have to fix everybody and you don't have to fix them right now. Sometimes people need to wallow. That's okay. Let's be the people that know how to listen and know how to ask questions 
that enable people to process. And um, that is a huge part of being a good friend. Absolutely right. I think that's a wonderful foundation to build on. And Jed, where do we take it from there? No, I love all of that for sure. I think, you know, one thing that's worth pondering is what do you mean when you use the word encouragement? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because encouragement kind of means different things to different people, right? Sometimes we say encouragement, but we mean advice. Sometimes we say encouragement and we mean kind of a rah-rah, you can do it. Um, Sometimes we say encouragement and we mean, I want to share with you a different point of view. And I think that one is particularly powerful and particularly important. And it's, it's one of the gifts that we can offer other people, because by definition, we, we do have a different point of view than they do because we're not stuck inside of their specific head. Um, So that can be super helpful, but here's the thing is we're inviting people to consider a different perspective on reality, but that can only work if we're inviting them to consider a perspective that they're willing to consider. If you're trying to sell somebody on something that is completely unbelievable to them, that's not really encouragement. And I think it's worth noting that especially around faith communities and some faith communities in particular, there can be this kind of sense of the more outrageous my claims, probably the more godly they are and the more <laughs> you just need to find a way to believe them. You know, that it's, yes, I know that you you can't, you know, pay rent right now, but I just have a word for you that, that one day you will be a multi, multi, multi millionaire and don't question it. Just, just believe it. None of that is encouragement that, that is many other things. Most of them are probably not super healthy, but, it, but none of that is encouragement. And so I think we need to be clear on, on what we mean when we use that word, because, um, we, we, we may be getting a result we don't like in part because we're not quite doing the thing that we, we think we are. The funny thing is that even with less extreme stuff, we can see a possibility for the people that we know that they're not able to see for themselves. Mm. And that doesn't make us wrong about the thing that we can see, and it doesn't make them right about not seeing it. But it does mean that that thought kind of can't really be an encouragement because it's not a perspective that they are prepared to consider. So I think one of the the art forms, and Lee is an artist at encouragement. He is an incredibly talented dude at encouraging other people. One of the art forms that people that are good at encouragement have is let me find something that you can believe. That would be a hopeful thought that you could take a hold of today. And let's focus on that. All three of the guys on this podcast have spent a lot of time working with folks behind bars. And as I get to know people, and because I know a fair amount about how reentry works and about how rebuilding a life works, I can see a future for this person that I'm talking to who's currently in cell block three that's pretty amazing. But they have been sitting in this cell block for the last year and a half, and um, 
amazing stuff is not terribly believable. And yeah. I can walk them through how five years from now they can have a place of their own and a job they feel good about and whatnot. And some people find that encouraging, but a lot of people don't because it does not feel believable in that moment, even though I, I, I know it is is a true thing. I'm 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 not making this up. And so here's what I would leave you with. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of the most useful verses in the Bible is the idea of rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. And when you when you think about encouragement, particularly for someone who's in a place of mourning, I think it's worth thinking about how do I right size my encouragement? How do I find a level of encouragement that is believable and that isn't violating the fact that they're in a place of mourning? Because if I violate the fact that they're in a place of mourning, it's kind of rude and it won't really work. Yeah. How do I find that bite-sized encouragement that they can take a hold of that can fit in the place where they currently are and that gives them a stepping stone to get one toe out of the muck, even if the other toes have to remain stuck for the moment. That's again, amazing stuff from, from both of these guys. And I will, I will echo and add on a small kind of uh, a small bit of detail of what they're laying out here in that it, it can feel sometimes like the only options you have when someone is in a really negative headspace that you're trying to you interact with, or you're trying to you know help out is either, as these guys have pointed out, either make them be happy, point out all the reasons for, you know, keep your chin up and, oh man, you can't make rent. That's a bummer. I, let me tell you about a time a guy I knew couldn't make rent, but he did. And now he's a billionaire or whatever <laughs> it is um, to kind of pull that. And that very American kind of, you know, keep your chin up. It's all, it's all just around the corner. Or the, if you're not going to do that, it feels like some of the only option is to join them in uh, a a blot a kind of haze of everything being awful and everything will be awful together. And as ever, as in most things, neither of those extremes is going to work. So, uh, what both these guys are describing, I think, a lot is a just kind of doing less. You don't a lot of listening. The amazing thing about listening is you're not talking, and a lot of I'm sorry that happened, or I know that sucks. That is that is different from you are correct. There is because of this breakup that you had when you were 17, there is no joy or justice in the world and never shall be. I'm, I'm signing on to your thing as opposed to telling you there are other fish in the sea. Cause those are my only two options. You did it. You sold me. Life That's is right. over. That's right. Let's, let's just walk into the abyss together. Um, so I, it can, it can definitely feel like sometimes and we're I'm, back to the counting crows. That's right. <laughs> You could tell me that there was an album cut on like hard candy called walk into the abyss together. And I'd be like, yeah, probably. Yeah. I bet there's a, a mandolin solo in it and I probably enjoy it. <laughs> but the, the idea of when someone, when you're really hitting that wall of, of kind of resistance to encouraging someone, it can feel like your only options are give up or really kind of try to push through. And most of the time, both of those are, are not the right option. If you want to help, you know, when I think of times, in my life, where as, as Lee put it, I was very much the wallower, and there's been plenty of them. When I look back on that as having come out the other side of those times, uh, the people who had the most impact and I appreciate the most were the people who were just kind of there, you know, gentle, gentle support here and there, and you know, a kind word here and there, but not really pushing it, not trying to solve it. Just they hung out. They were because there's a certain kind of confidence in that of you're you're going to get 
somewhere on this. So yeah, I'm I'm here. I know, then if, especially if you're if you are someone who's in a helping profession or has seen this kind of thing before, you don't always have to. T- it doesn't often help to tell the person, oh, don't worry, everybody breaks up with their boyfriend when they're 17. So uh, your pain is not special nor unique. So don't worry about it. But you can uh, unspokenly exude the. Yeah, this is this is a get overable thing. People do get over that. And uh, sometimes people don't need the words in that, but they really do benefit from the vibe to speak to the uh the emergent theme of the episode that you can put off in those ways. And but you do that by exactly what these guys are telling you. A lot of listening, a lot of asking questions, a lot of just being there for people is a very powerful thing. With that, we will move to our final question here. It comes in and says, I know we're not supposed to judge, but and that is one of my favorite buts in the English <laughs> language and maybe one of the most honest that has ever been said. But does that mean just big stuff or am I like not allowed to get annoyed at people being rude in public or disagree with their taste in movies and stuff like that? And I think this is a really interesting question because, you know, not only because the human nature is in some ways to judge, but I think particularly if you are, if you've been grown up in Christian circles or this is kind of the weird thing where there's a horseshoe of, if you grew up around a lot of Christian stuff, or if you maybe grew up or around a lot of people who are not Christian, but know you are, you will occasionally get the, I, well, I thought that thou shalt not judge. How could you want me to not be on my phone in the middle of this movie? That sounds like judgment to me. Um, so it's an interesting thing of, uh, there's probably no way to get your judgment in all, all time to zero. But it is definitely a thing that's in there. So, Lee, where do we start with this idea? Get your judgment to zero. I absolutely love it. And that's my I infomercial. Do... <laughs> and also this, uh, I, you know, I probably shouldn't say this joke, but um, there's a, you know, uh, we've all had this impulse before. Appreciate the question. I, you know, th- there's a couple things going on here from my perspective. One is just kind of from a, from a, person who follows Jesus perspective, there's just the big overarching theological stuff where Jesus basically says, yeah, you're not allowed to, uh, you don't get to bring shame on anybody. Um, God, like God judges and, um, and actually that's just not your purview. Uh, it's not, it's not your jurisdiction. And so that's, that's kind of like w- one level if you're a person that follows Jesus. But then there's another layer to this, which is, just kind of the societal social aspect of the the great question and we're and in a way we're back to Jeff Lebowski again which is what does it mean to be a good hang like what does it mean to be a, the kind of person that people want to hang with um it's really interesting i grew up in the south in the 80s and the 90s and the southern United States, I should say, a lot of folks listen to this in different countries. And in the southern United States in the 80s and the 90s, um, there was just, there were certain things that started to happen in the culture, like we would see them on, you know, on television, on MTV or in the news or something like that. And boy, the adults in the 80s and the 90s and the South could not stand, like, if a young man had eyeliner on or if someone made their hair blue, or if someone had the size pants that people wore when they rode a skateboard. And if you don't know what that means, 
You never rode a skateboard in the 90s, but our pants were enormous. Google Jenkos, young people, and behold. Well, good luck spelling that correctly. It's J-N-C-O. That's right. You didn't invent removing vowels from things, Gen Z. <laughs> yes, but the the it was like it felt like the the adults in my um in my world growing up made commenting on anything that weirded them out like an Olympic sport. Just commenting. Just I'm going to put this out there. Um I don't like this. I think this is bad. Therefore, we can all agree it's bad. So now I'm going to throw my opinions out there. I'm going to throw my comments out there. So let's go back to this question. What does it mean to be a good hang? Um, one of the things that we're hopefully realizing as a broader society is I don't need to state any opinions about the way that you wear your hair or the kind of jewelry that you use or what your tattoos are or aren't or what your clothes are or anything. I don't have to make any comments about any of that stuff. I don't have to hold you to account. And when it comes to my aesthetic, which I'm a dude in my mid forties, I don't have, I don't get to have any fashion opinions. <laughs> like I, I know nothing about these things. Um, you know, I, I think when we look at, it's like whether we're looking at this from a theological standpoint or just a societal social standpoint, what does it mean to be a, a person that other people want to be with, that other people want to be around and be friends with? Are there going to be things that annoy you about other people? Of course. Let's try to keep some of those things at an arm's length, and let's learn how to accept people. Um, just the radical acceptance of other people is a thing which would make our world a much more beautiful place to be in that I am going to go out of my way to radically accept you. Enjoy your presence and not say a flipping thing about whatever it is that I don't understand. I'm just going to let you be you. This is a thing that if we could figure this out, this would be a much, to, to go back to something Jed said earlier, a much safer place and a much more kind and gentle place. Um, Jesus doesn't want us to judge people. He wants us to leave all of that to the one who actually knows the inside and outside of every human heart. But also, I just want to be the kind of person that other people want to be with. And learning how to do that means shutting up a whole lot and actually just not entertaining a lot of my stupid opinions and just learning how to radically accept and love people. A beautiful, beautiful place to start that off. Jed, where do we take it from there? I want to pick right up on that awesome theme of radical acceptance. Because if you've spent a lot of time, particularly if you grew up around a lot of Christian stuff, you have basically been taught to radically reject all of your own feelings. Mm. Um, wow. Like, if you look at, in kind of Christian culture, you know, kind of just the ethos and a lot of the prevailing advice, like, the number of things that boil down to don't feel how you feel, it, like, that is the through line that kind of runs through everything in Christian culture. And so... You have been taught to, in a way that is radical and weird, just reject everything that you feel all the time um, and assume that it's always wrong. I, I want to, if, if you feel like you're struggling with judging people, I want to suggest something um, that, that may feel very unchristian, but I, I think it'll land in a good place. Just accept that you feel how you feel. 
I don't like that guy. I, that's the way that I feel. I think that movie's really dumb and I don't like it. That's the way that I feel. I think this song is way too loud and overplayed. I don't like it. And I think it only appeals to people with terrible taste in music. That's the way that I feel. <laughs> if you will start by accepting the way that you feel, you can begin to figure out where you want to go with that. But if we are having feelings and then saying, I'm bad to have these feelings and I can't really own the feelings because I'm bad to have the feelings. Therefore I need to kind of repress the feelings and hope they go away. That's not a recipe for a good time. It's probably not a recipe for good emotional health. And I don't think it's going to work very well. By contrast, if you are willing to acknowledge within yourself, the feelings that you have generally, including the negative ones and including the ones that are negative and unfounded, I think that we can begin to ask some questions of ourself and our feelings and our thought process, which is a really valuable skill to learn. Being able to observe our own thoughts and being able to observe our own feelings is really good stuff. And it's a life-changing thing to begin to develop. And so one question that is good to ask of your own thoughts and your own feelings is, I acknowledge that I feel this. Is this actually grounded in reality? Because not all feelings are a reflection of measurable, observable reality, and that's okay. I mean, right now in Las Vegas, there is a guy at a roulette table who is convinced that this next spin of the wheel is going to buy him a brand new car. Like, he feels it super, super strong. <laughs> and listener, it is not going to do that. Jed, I feel like you're understanding the fact that it's come up red four times in a <laughs> row. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So we we can have feelings that we feel and that we feel very strongly that aren't actually tethered to like observable, measurable reality. And we don't have to feel embarrassed about that. Part of what's great about kind of creating radical acceptance for yourself is you can say, hey, I feel this way and I know I'm like incorrect about it. Like I'm not like morally wrong, but I'm definitely factually incorrect and I still feel it. And that's okay. That's that's allowed. The next thing that we can begin to ask and inquire of our own thoughts and our own feelings is, am I being petty? Am I taking a thing mm. that's relatively small and just blowing it up in my own head? There's no shame. Like everyone is petty sometimes. Literally everyone. You know, the person who's who's never petty, the person who's not willing to acknowledge when they're petty, because everyone who's willing to acknowledge it is petty and most of us on a fairly regular basis. And just like with saying, do you know, is this factually correct? We can say, am I being petty? Am I taking a thing that I'm mildly annoyed about and then kind of blowing it up in my own head? And it's totally cool to love yourself enough to say, yeah, I am. That's, that's, that's what I'm doing. And I want to underscore what I just said. It's super loving to yourself to embrace, to embrace both sides of this equation. Both. This is a feeling that I totally have. And I am being petty and blowing things out of proportion like that. That is a form of self-love to, to accept what what you're doing, what your situation is. And then here's one more that goes along the same things is to say, am I engaging in something called transference? In other words, I had this ex that cheated on me and this TV show was their favorite show. And now anyone who likes that TV show, I just associate with my cheating ex and I don't like them. I'm transferring the negative feelings that I have about my cheating ex, which are totally understandable onto someone that has nothing to do with my cheating ex. 
and I'm kind of holding them by proxy accountable for this other thing. Again, it can be super, super loving to yourself to be able to acknowledge, I, that's what I'm doing. Uh, this thing reminds me of this other thing. And then people that are in that, they, and they don't have anything to do with each other, but, but there's this linkage in my brain and it, it, and I have these feelings and the feelings make sense, but they're not, that, that's, that's what I'm doing. The more that you can begin to work through these things for yourself, the more that you are loving yourself and the more peace you're going to have. And actually the less judgmental you are going to be Mm. like, like seriously, by a huge, huge measure, you will find it so much easier to be radically accepting of other people and radically loving of other people. If you will start by radically accepting yourself, including the parts that are basically you being cranky about things. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think what both these guys gave you is fantastic. And to the point of the judgment and to pick up right where Jed kind of left off there, it's kind of not judgment until the moral part at the end. Like you can be annoyed with something yeah. and not be judging it. You can say, oh, the, the, we have observations of the point of thing happened. Thing made me feel a certain way. Now it's when we get to, and that feeling is justified because they're a garbage person. There we have judgments. <laughs> And you actually don't have to tack that third step onto the first two steps. You can be like, I don't really like this movie or, you know, when people do, when people behave that way in public, it really annoys me. And maybe that's something to do with me. Maybe it's something to do with them, but that is what that is. I'm, I, you don't actually have to step through to that kind of moral aspect of things. And there's a, a very helpful idea. If you want to take the, the advanced level of this, which is to ask yourself, is it possible that, this is more to do with me than with yep. them. Ah, yep. I'll, I'll give you a very small example, but it's one that I think shows the decision tree very well. I'm, I'm in a parking lot a couple weeks ago here in the uh, West suburbs of Chicago in a whole foods parking lot. So everybody's rage is at a simmering eight and a half looking for a parking spot. And there's people walking through the middle of kind of the parking lot area, not really sticking to one side or the other. So I'm of course enraged. And then I realize. It's a family. They're walking around so they can put their stroller in the side of the car that the car seat is in. So here's the thing. They did that. I had feelings about it. But then it, I, and I, I'm not always great at this. I did not allow myself to launch into the, well, the whole world's not about people who have children and there's a way to behave and we're trying to have a society. Like, eh, what else are they supposed to do? I guess they're blocking the parking spot, but they got to get the, the, the car seat out of the stroller into the car. There's no other way to do that. What are we doing here? If you become George Costanza, you might want to dial it back. Yes. Yep. If at any point you you point out we're trying to live in a society, then you may have <laughs> you may have it. overcooked it. But everything that happened, I I would say in that situation, I did not judge. And again, a rare win for me on that front. But uh, I did observe something. I did have a react an emotional reaction to something. But the judgment was headed off where I went. Well, is is this because the, the world is against me and manners have devolved? and Or is it just because this is just what it is to be in the world? Sometimes people do things. Sometimes people do things that inconvenience me. And there's absolutely no uh, moral or spiritual or whatever element to it at all. It is just a thing that happened. So I think when you, when sometimes when people who are either newer or again grew up in certain traditions of it, here in the, the idea of, you know, don't, you don't judge anyone. There's this idea of, that's often kind of very quickly laid upon with 
have love for everyone. And those are two good things, but they're not exactly co-equal and they're not even always related. Um, to, to not judge someone does not mean you have to have uh, warm thoughts towards them. You can not judge a stranger. Um, you cannot, sometimes it means not giving into a certain pattern of behavior and thought, which is a very, very good thing, especially when that behavior and thought is not helping you or them or anyone involved. That said, if you have a question for us, you can uh, catch us at saythatpodcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com slash ask. We keep that entirely anonymous. Hail the song this week. This is from Jed. We've been talking a lot about prayer. This is a song about that very subject called Cast My Cares. Yeah, that yeah. Thanks for listening. We love you. God bless you. There's nothing you can do about it. You are seeking sacrifice